it's probably now 23 years since we actually started and about 21 um, years since we opened our bank account. So how did we start? In the early days, um, um, Psalm 9.1 says, I give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. It says, I give thanks to you, with Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of his wonderful deeds. And, and one of the things that uh, we noted as we were going along, uh, I mean, Carlos was there um, for a lot of the time that we had, Carlos and Renee and the kids as they were coming. And he said to us, he used to say to us, we should write down all the wonderful things that Jesus is doing amongst us. We should write it down. He said it would read like the book of Acts. It would read like the book of Acts because God was doing some extraordinary miracles as we were going along through. I remember Mandy. Stand, there's Mandy. Wave around at Mandy. We had one, one uh, lady come from New Zealand who had uh, terminal cancer, um, um, fallopian cancer, was it, or uterine uh, uh, cancer or something. And um, it looked very grim for her, and she came, gave her heart to the Lord, and Mandy prayed for her, and God miraculously healed her. She's staying at Mum and Dad's place, and she had and she had her taken one ovary out and one fallopian tube tied, and uh, so they wanted to do a hysterectomy, and she had a vision that uh, she was going to give birth to another child, and at Mum and Dad's place, and. Uh, four years later, that's exactly what happened. She gave birth to another child, and it was just amazing, a miracle. We saw God do some amazing miracles through us, and we used to think, you know, we should write them down in a book. We never did. <laughs> and it's probably good that we didn't do that, and that, you know, we can sometimes get so proud about what happened in the past, we don't stop looking forward in the future. So we live with a wonderful, miracle working God. So every day can be the book of Acts. Amen? So we want to give uh, tell of his wonderful deeds. So the roots of this fellowship started in a little church called Sunnybank Christian Fellowship. Um, and that was run by a pastor called uh, Pastor Ferguson, um, Russell Ferguson. I saw Russell a couple of weeks ago in the, in the, um, in the bookstore. Uh, he got up one day and he said to us, uh, announced on a Sunday, he says, look, I, you know, we can't really continue on. I'm not feeling very well. He says, I think that we should just close the fellowship down and everybody should go to other churches. So as a group of people, we had a house meeting and uh, Warwick and Julie were coming into the house meeting and I think some of the family, and we, we had to make a decision whether we wanted to disperse to go to other churches or whether we wanted us to stay and do what we were doing. And we had uh, some involvement in the Philippines because of uh, connections that I had there in the past and the other churches that I was involved with. And so we were, had uh, been supporting a doctor in the Philippines, a nurse, a dental surgery and, and some other Bible schools and, and running a feeding program in the Philippines. So we were wondering, you know, what are we going to do? Do we, do we keep on going as a little group together or do we go, go into a, a larger church and just disperse and then, you know, what will happen to the people in the Philippines? And so we went to Majimba. Remember that camp? Remember that campsite? It was a lovely campsite, a lovely little camp, and we, we sat around and we prayed and we asked the Lord, we want to know what to do. And we felt that the Lord tell us that we should stay together and just to keep on doing what we were doing. So that's what we did. We used to meet around at Dad's place or around somebody else's place on a Sunday, and we'd have a barbecue, we'd sit around the Word of God and we'd read the Word of God and sort of draw some truth out of the Word of God. And it was very casual and very informal and we became known as the Church of the Sunday Barbie. So people would actually some come to us and say, what church do you belong to? And we'd say, oh, we belong to the Church of the Sunday Barbie. And they'd say, well, what church is that? And we'd say, that's the one that Jesus belongs to. And then we'd say, what church do you belong to? <laughs> So they, yeah, but that was a problem though because when we started to give money to the Philippines, we used to have to put it in a bank account, and then the bank account, as uh, Kathy was saying, was under Jenny's name and, and under Kath's name, and so we thought, well, that's not real, right? You know, wise because we'll put lots of money in there, and Jenny and Kathy will run away with it all. So we decided to do the honest thing and then uh, take it, and we needed to. Uh, find a name, and so we discarded. You know, started to think about: should we really call ourselves uh, the Church of the Sunday Barbie on the on the bank account? It didn't sort of sound real good. So um, we asked the Lord uh, for a name, and nobody could come up with a name except for Kath, and she'll tell you about that later. How God gave her that name, 
Um, and so we accepted that was the name that we should be called, CDM, Christian Discipleship Ministries. Christian because that's what we are, discipleship, that's what we're doing, and ministries because we believed in body ministry, and we still do believe in the body ministry. And so we started to meet in, in Brisbane State High School, sitting behind the desks, doing our stuff as normal. And um, you can see that Warwick's sitting there, and so I'm going to ask Warwick to come up and tell you a little bit about what it was like in the early days. In the early days. You see, that, and that's Julie there beside her. The young girl with blonde hair looks a bit... That's Julie, yeah? <laughs> well, 20 years, wow. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Joshua, my eldest son, just turned 19, so it was before, a few years before he came along. As you can tell from that photo up there, I still got to mow. I was looking back through some old files the other day and I found this uh, original public publication, the beginnings of CDM in the back drawer of the filing cabinet, how Christian discipleship ministries and the medical ministry in the Philippines were established in God. So there you go. I didn't even know I had it there. Just uh, a little document that Mark and I put together way back at the time Mark was talking about the beginning. So you can have a look at that if you, if you want to get... Uh, Nostalgic, or just curious about beginnings. Um, well, I'm I'm really uh, glad and really uh, proud to have been part of um, CDM, uh, the small part of the body of Christ, for these last twenty plus years. Um, like I said, Julie and I had been married a couple of years. I think when we first um, came across Mark and uh, Jenny. Um, to have been with this fellowship uh, from the, from its very beginning. As we moved, you know, as we moved away um, from a small study uh, study group at, in the homes, um, and meeting uh, eventually, as Mark said, to the church at a Sunday barbie, very formally, and in parks and in homes, and uh, we would have a, a meeting in the park. Uh, I think we would even have a full meeting, one of uh, songs, a bit of preaching, and uh, it was just open for anyone in the park to hear, and um, and. It's a real, truly a blessing, and, and as I was putting this together, it became more impressed more to me. It was truly a blessing that our family, particularly my children, um, have been have known no other fellowship uh, except CDM, and not because we're in exclusive or anything like that, but because I um, the fellowship and CDM, the, the the heart of the people, the heart of uh, Mark and Jenny, and others who've come into the fellowship over the years has been always uh, a heart for God, basically. And that's the, the foundation you want, um, no matter what fellowship you're a part of. And that's the motivation. And so our children, thanks be to God, are CDM born and bred. And, um, and their faith, I believe, without any doubt, is better for it. They're stronger. They have a better grip on reality, what it is to be a real Christian, and uh, an understanding of the importance of the Word of God, and to be studious and diligent in applying their faith in practical everyday life. And walking with Jesus is the most important thing to maintain in your life. So in this they have flourished, and many of us has flourished over the years because we've been planted in a good fellowship, a solid bed. And there's a psalm I'd like to read in that regard. It's Psalm 92, verse 13 to 15. I'll just read the first part of the verse. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. It's the well planting of someone in a church fellowship, I believe, the house of the Lord, which enables God to move in a person's life and to make their lives flourish and shine and stay fresh in God. And I remember first meeting Mark uh, at the Sunnybank Fellowship, I think it was, with Russell um, and... Uh, I still remember the image, which has always stuck with me, I don't know why, so I thought I'd share it today, um, of Mark walking across the field of school oval, I think after church or uh, having morning tea, um, walking across the field with Jade, and Jade was holding on to him like this under his hand. And I, I was, the image always stuck with me. I thought, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a contrast for you. Mark and uh, Jade must have been two or three, I guess. Um, so that's just an image that's always stuck with me and how... Now, watching um, Mark over the years and Mark's children grow up in the Lord has been a real blessing as well. And uh, I recall dropping in on Mark's, and believe it or not, Mark was watching TV. Eh? There you go. 
Hey. <laughs> Bet you not many of you have seen that, eh? Um, and you know what? The mo- I even remember the movie. It was a Terminator, eh? <laughs> uh, I told you I might bring that up, didn't I? Uh, but see, obviously, Mark's still forming his convictions at that point in his life. Isn't he? He's probably what? Late 20s, early 30s, early 30s. So I hadn't quite got there yet. But uh, anyway, I remember also when he finally put the TV away that Nathan, I heard, would sneak into the cupboard and watch it in any case. But um, so I remember the good times of great Christmas celebrations we had over the years and some real blessing times uh, of great times of getting together at, in uh, various spots, and not just here but uh, at Logan, in Logan as well, and having our church in the park. And also being sometimes, occasionally, at least once, I remember being locked out of our church, um, Brisbane High School, and the key didn't arrive on time. So we all gathered around outside the church, <laughs> outside the school, waiting for the key. I remember some really wonderful times and uh, really great times with God. And that's a great thing to have. And uh, we're still going there. We're still having those times. But thanks be to God, we had some uh, great times in the Philippines. When I first preached in public, was on a trip to the Philippines, and I remember that that altered my life forever in the sense that uh, God first came in a, w- a wonderful way for me in, in the presence of my life as I got up to share, uh, which I'd never experienced before. So sometimes you have to get up there and do something if you want God to, um, if you want to be blessed, and then God will come in. I remember the, the great camps we had, uh, some of the camps at the Lost World, out in the middle of nowhere, how we all got sick, most of us got sick and uh, some sort of bug we picked up. That was a great time, not really. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I remember at times, you wouldn't believe this, that um, we went to a church somewhere, uh, I don't know, north or west or something, and it was when uh, Ray, myself and Mark and uh, I think maybe Will uh, actually sang a, um, like a, a trio, was it? Like four of us or something at the front, you remember that? A quartet, like at the front of this church, just a, we, someone had brought us to. Um, it was quite bizarre. You wouldn't think it now. And um, and I just also remember, but I also remember the hard times, really tough times, really testing times, the heartache of uh, betrayal in the fellowship at times in my own life and, uh, and, and of souls and old friendships lost and maybe forever lost. But I remember at those times that they were in a war and uh, we're in a battle and we're, we're, not, um, we're not in a situation which is passive. And that God has brought us into a situation to win back the, the hearts of men and women through his grace. We don't want to dwell on that and uh, we care not to, but just to remember and learn that, uh, you know, not to be complacent and to guard your own hearts. Uh, when times come, and the testing times will come, you'll be tempted, you'll be drawn, you'll be enticed, you'll be lured to leave the fellowship, to be offended and take, take, uh, take the bolt. It's something the devil's always trying to find an angle on. But I encourage you not to uh, give in to that, to resolve issues of your heart between people and yourself and God. So, <clears throat> but I also, also remember as well contemplating this, the wonderful people God has brought into our fellowship. Um, you know, people like, well, obviously Mark and Jenny, um, their servant hearts, the way they've looked after people and given their lives, their homes, their time, continually, time after time, year after year. Remember the trips Mark would make from way down south here when we lived over at the Gap. He would come over there for a study, uh, which made a big impression on me at that time in my life. And uh, and I've never forgotten those times. And you reciprocate. You feel that years later when you want to do the same thing for others. So it's not a it's not a vain thing. It's not a wasted thing. Time given and energy sacrificed for your children and for others in the fellowship. It will come back to them and it'll come back to you. And most importantly, it will. It will be coming up to God as a pleasing sacrifice to him. So I remember like uh, so Mark and Jenny and, and others in the fellowship who have, have encouraged and brought me in to do things I never would have done, you know, with Cheryl, the street preaching. We'll never have been street preaching in the open air if it wasn't for Cheryl and Dave. And other things, and you know, like um, I, I had people who have impressed me with their perseverance over the years, Shandell and Linda and their situations, you know, just persevering, keep on committing themselves, keep coming and sticking in there despite all the hardship they faced. And uh, amazing, just amazes me. Um, <clears throat> so let us remember that uh, God's mercy endures forever, forever and that the most wonderful of all, God is with us. Uh, 
God is with us. And that's the most wonderful truth. And just on closing, I'll just say that uh, you may... You may ask, and I may ask myself, why am I still here in CDM after all this time, despite all the grief that's it's come, but also all the joy that's come. So it's, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> but none of those reasons are reasons in themselves to either go or to leave. But uh, you know, I, I thought about this, and uh, it says in Corinthians, one Corinthians twelve verse eighteen. Uh, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. So you are here today. I'm here because God. In his, for his pleasure, for his, his will, put you here, planted you in this fellowship. He's planted you here for a reason to flourish and to shine bright and to stay fresh in God. And it's a strange question to ask, why, why am I still here in CDM and will I, will I still be here in another 20 years? God willing, I will be. And it's a strange question because you may ask me as well, why am I still a Christian? To me, it is the same, pretty well the same question. Because to me, being a Christian is to be in fellowship. To be in Christ is to be in a fellowship of believers. It just comes with the, it comes with it. It comes with the package. It's part of the deal. It's a holy fellowship of imperfect to being made perfect children, trying to do their best to love God and others and in that order. And for me, being a Christian is synonymous with being in CDM. And after many temptations to leave and to be enticed to leave for whatever reason over the years by various attacks, the devil doesn't bother me with that one anymore because the devil knows I'm not going anywhere. And because of some silly thoughts, some silly offense, some idea of, or jealousy, or whatever it might be, that come and go. But, you know, he's not going to bother with me. He hasn't bothered me with that one for a while because he knows that's it. Warwick's not going anywhere. Neither is his family. This fellowship is in my spiritual DNA and is part of who we are. It is my family. And it's closer than any other biological family members, except maybe for Ben, who is both my brother in the Lord and brother in biological and his family. So we live in an age where the church is being treated too much like a cafeteria, and it's, it's nothing like a cafeteria. It was never meant to be a place to come and pick what you want and then leave when it suits you, or you disagree with what's being served, or get offended even. Offense is a great allure that devil uses to draw you out of fellowship, and will continue to do so, or try to do so. And indeed, it will draw you out of being a Christian altogether. So <clears throat> what, what, what will you do? Ask yourself the question. When the offense comes, when the testing times come, <clears throat> will you stay planted and flourish and work it out, persevere, stick through the hard times, not just the good times? Because at the end of the exercise, God honors those who honor him. And God honors those who are loyal to him and loyal to his people. So God's watching. He's recording. He's in his own heart and his own, his own kingdom of heaven. So is my prayer that if I ever leave this fellowship, either be through death <laughs> to a bigger fellowship, um, and for some other reason, I don't know, God calls, who knows, you know, you leave fellowships for various reasons, but my, my heart's desire is that it says in Isaiah 55 verse 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. And that's the way to go, isn't it? Let out with joy and go out and be let out with peace. So I encourage you to keep that in your hearts and minds today. And uh, for me, I'm thankful and, and really grateful for these last 20-odd years. So I'm in all the way. Now Liz is going to come and uh, have a talk to a couple of the other girls who were around at those early days. There are quite a few people here at the beginning. Uh, so we're going to hear from them. There are a number of people that we could have spoken to today and we'd be here for hours and hours, I think, if we spoke to everyone that's been here um, for a very long time. So in contrast to a lot of people that have been here, I'm, I'm kind of only new. I've only been here for about 10 years. So this is a wonderful opportunity to ask some people about the inception, the, the commencement of something beautiful and to say, what was it like back then? What, what did you do back then? What's the same? What was the focus? And what's different now? So, Kath, Mark was talking about the name of CDM. And do you feel like he's already told that story? Has he stolen your thunder? Is there anything more you can tell us? Why on earth CDM? Because those words are from you, aren't they? That, those words came to you for the name of the fellowship. Yeah, um, 
I remember we were at Mark and Jenny's house one day and we were thinking we need a name for the fellowship and, and what, what would it be? And, and um, I said, well, we're Christian and discipleship was a huge um, part of what we believed in and I'm not sure if Mark had written at that time a document um, making disciples Jesus' way. So make, that was part of our desire was to bring others to Christ and to walk that path with them. So discipleship, that's what we wanted to do and ministries, well, that's, that's part of what we do. We, we disciple and that's our ministry. So it's called Christian yep. Discipleship Ministry. So I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yep. <laughs> and it's stuck. So it's stuck, CDM. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so tell we... me a little bit about the real focus of the church in terms of why did you meet and hang out together? What was the real core driver? What was the purpose of meeting? Um, well... We enjoyed each other's company, like starting off at Sunnybank and we we had this lovely little group happening and, well, for me, I know I didn't want to go back into the mainstream church. I'd been there, I'd done that and I didn't want to go back there again and I think a few others the same. Um, so we just wanted to hang together still and and the teaching that Mark gave as is today, 20-odd years later, is just outstanding. And I've not yet been to a church or the church that I came from. It was good, but I, to, for myself and, and how I overcame things in my life, um, the teaching that I received, the, um, the, I guess the communication, the um, fellowship, the Bible studies, the opportunity to grow more in CDM than I had in the big church um, enabled me to just grow. And I think that's for other people as well. The growth, I think, that we've, we had in CDM compared to other churches where you just maybe sit on a pew and go home at the end of it, um, that to me was, was huge. And I think for everybody else, it was a real growth thing. And we started off um, giving money into the church because of the Philippines mission. And we started very humbly, and we're still a humble little church, but the giving that we've had um, over the years has been gone out again. Nothing, well, you know, nothing that, we've, not, we've got nothing glamorous, we've got nothing elaborate, we've got nothing to take a wage. Every, every finance that has come in has gone out to missions. Um, the Philippines, the feeding program, then the rubber band project started. Um, we spent money on um, yeah the medical trips that we went to the Philippines. Then we supported Jenny's um, sister and her husband in Thailand. We supported um, another group. They re- raised money for pigs so they could get families in the in the in Thailand to support themselves raising pigs. So we input into that ministry. Um, the the Trow family, the House of Love in China, um, now Student Life here, now the Street Van Ministry. It's We've given a lot to missions and we've always had a missional heart and that's something that I was always something for me important in the fellowship that we were in, that we had a missional heart outwardly to others and we've done that really well. Um, as for a small fellowship, we've given a lot and still give a lot and still continue to give because that's what Jesus wants us to do. And to me, that's the same as now. I mean, you mentioned two things. One is the teaching and the growth, that this is all about growing as a disciple in Jesus. So that was a real focus. So there's this inward growth. There's this idea that it's really important that each one of us is moving forward, is growing. But it wasn't just an inward focus. There was always that outward focus too, which is the same now, isn't it? We're looking at inward growth, but we're wanting to reach out too. So that's the same, isn't it? And this church gives the opportunity. We we had um, a little motto, flame. Freedom of, freedom of expression, listening, acceptance, member participation, and that's it. Um, so we were always encouraged to participate and to get up and to share and to um, seek God for an encouragement for the body. And that's been Mark's desire for the fellowship to grow us and to move us. And um, yeah, so that's that's and you don't get that. In other big churches, you just don't. In home groups, possibly, but but not the opportunity that we've had, and and that brings growth in somebody's life. And 
Absolutely. Thank you, Kath. Leanne, can I ask you the same question? So you were there way, way back when. Tell me a little bit about what you saw the heart of the fellowship being. What was really happening then and is that the same now or is that different now? I think it's the same now but it was just on a a smaller um, scale. If I can just talk about my own personal um, journey. When um, I started coming along when we were with Pastor Ferguson's church and I was a friend of Mark's youngest sister, Belinda, so that's how I fit into the picture. We went to primary school together and at that time I gave my heart to the Lord but I didn't truly count the cost of that so very quickly I fell away and I think um, so that was that time where Pastor Fergus's church um, uh, stopped closed and um, and they had that um, that camp and they made that decision to continue meeting so during that little tiny window of time I think it was a year was when I had fallen away and then um, then I recommitted my life to the Lord through I think a lot of People had a lot of sore knees for me. And um, so when we came back to Brisbane State High School, I don't know whether people remember this, but I remember this because it made such a big impact on me. I um, was a university student and I worked um, Sunday mornings um, in a news agency. And that shift was not negotiable. And so the church at 1.30 ran their service at 1.30 just for me because they were just so committed to that one life I didn't think I'd get emotional. But they were just so committed to, to me that I would continue because I knew I'd fallen away once. And, um, you know, and that when I, now that I have a family, that is incredibly disruptive for families. And there was a lot of people with young families um, to put on their Sunday morning, put it all on hold, you know, to wait till 1.30 for, for this, you know, 20-year-old to finish work so she could come along. You know, and, and because they did that, Goodness, I didn't dare skip church <laughs> because all these people <laughs> had put their life on hold for me. And that really kept me in there because that, you know, that was the time I was not brought up in a Christian family. And that was a time where I was, I was really, really could have been um, one of those seeds that fell on stony ground. So, um, so as much as we always did have that outward focus right from the very beginning, there was also this intense um, caring and interest for um, individuals. And I personally felt that um, very strongly because here I am still today. It's beautiful, isn't it? Jesus doesn't change, does he? It's beautiful. And it's beautiful to think that each one of us is that important, that Jesus would actually talk to each one of us. It's not like he says, oh, I'm not really bothered with Laurie. Who could care about her? I don't think I like her as much as what I like Linda. He spends just as much time focusing in on each one of us. And it's that individual specialness and significance in God which never changes, does it? And if we as people in a church can actually demonstrate that in our lives, that each person that walks through our doors is individually important and significant to God, we need to show them that so they know that's real. That's a real promise from God. Thank you. Now, can I ask you to tell me just a little bit about these photos? So step forward, girls. Now, I understand these photos are from the Philippines. So this gorgeous girl on the, on, the, on the right, that's Leanne, and then next to her is Kath with the little brown vest, and then we have Ben. So you should all recognise these people. So this is on your way, you're leaving, aren't you, to go yeah, to the Philippines? It's on our way to the Philippines, one okay. of our early trips. And then, oh, sorry, are you, are you driving? Who's okay. driving the car? So, and now we have Leanne on the right again, and Ben... And Kath in the black top, this is at the airport, is it? Uh, no, this is in Manila at, I think it's the Hyatt. Did we stay at the Hyatt? Ooh. Um, yeah, we had to nice. stay at a fairly nice hotel because it was one of the only safest places to stay. So this is, you just sort of stayed here overnight before we went to one of the smaller islands, um, the island of Panay, Iloilo, where Don and B um, do their mission work. So yeah, that was just on the steps there. So that was sort of an overnight stop. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, look at you, Leanne. In fact, when I looked at these photos, because Leanne gave me her photo album and there's oodles of them, and I looked at Leanne and I went, 20 years ago. You've got to keep in mind, this is 20 years ago. This woman looks the same, doesn't she? (laughs) Amazing. 10 kilos heavier. (laughs) And here she is again, looking gorgeous. Now, here we have the lovely calf. Now, what you'll notice is there's a theme in these photos. So the next one's of a calf. And you'll notice, I was just saying to Kat this morning, that 
It kind of bemused me that in every single photo that Kath is in, there seems to be some attempt to hide. <laughs> so here we have the attempt to hide behind the Jeep. Here we have the attempt to hide behind whatever that thing's called in the Philippines. Has that got a name, that funny little thing? Uh, a tricycle. A tricycle. Yeah. Okay. Oh, simple name. I might know that one. And then we have Kath with the sunnies on, just to make sure you can't see her exactly. But this is my favourite coming up. I'll hide behind a book. <laughs> beautiful, isn't it? But thank you. It is so beautiful to have you both here. Oh, you're going to make me go. No, we want to look at that one. But thank you. It is so beautiful to have you both here. It is so beautiful to think that Jesus thinks you are that special, that he would hold on to you so tight, but that you would hold on to him too because it's a two-way partnership, isn't it? He holds us, but we need to hold him. Can we thank these beautiful ladies? So today, there is so much to celebrate. And I guess for my little... I mean, it's only half the time that these ladies have been here and a number of other people here. So for me, if I just think back over the last 10 years and I look at all these faces, because it's a scary thing. You know when you stand out the front and you know you all avoid me when I come and talk to you and tap you on the shoulder and ask you about the Lord's Supper. And I think one of the reasons we don't like it is when you're standing here, you see all these faces looking at you, which can be quite confronting and still is for me. But one of the things I've noticed over the years is that all these beautiful faces looking back, sometimes having a little snooze sometimes, but all these faces now I look at are different in terms of we don't all look the same. It's this individual nature of each person in this room that is so different. I mean, we're a motley kind of bunch, don't you think? If you look at us, we look all so different. We're not the same here. And I think to myself, Jesus spoke to every single one of us. And that's something to celebrate, that he actually started a conversation with us. We felt it here. You get that pulling, drawing feeling. He started that conversation with every single person in this room, regardless of your background, regardless of whatever you've been through. He's still wants to hold on to you. He still wants to put the service off to 1.30 to make sure you can be here. And the other beautiful thing to celebrate is the reason you're here is not only did you respond to that beautiful conversation that Jesus started with you, somebody else continued that conversation with you. Someone else told you about the Bible. Someone else told you about Jesus. Someone else held your hand and wanted to walk with you. Someone else prayed and prayed and prayed for you like with Leanne. So we're not here because we're somehow special all of our own accord. We're here because we're special to him. And he actually stirred up someone else to sit with you and spend time with you and continue this beautiful conversation called being a Christian. So today what we want to do is look at the story in the Bible called The Woman at the Well. Because the woman at the well is a beautiful picture of Jesus starting a conversation with a woman that other people really didn't want to start a conversation with. She was kind of seedy. She had a bit of a funny background. And really, the world doesn't really want to talk to people like that, the woman at the well. And nothing's changed. There are people who really are lost. There are people that are get ignored. There are people that... Really, the, the world doesn't want to know too much. We just marginalise them. But each one of us was marginalised at one point. We're all the woman at the well. We were all there. We were all so thirsty. We we're all so needy. And what's so beautiful today is that we can celebrate that Jesus actually cares enough and thinks we're special enough to start talking to us and then put someone else in our life to continue that conversation. So we want to look today at these beautiful opportunities to worship when we see a woman in the well opportunity in our lives. One of the things I, I, I think is incredibly important in this journey is to understand what Jesus told us in the parable of the soils. The seed is sown. Somebody speaks the word to us. We hear the word. We read the word. But the devil doesn't want us to understand that word. He just wants you to say, oh, that's an old book and those words I don't understand and is it really relevant for me and I don't get it. He wants to pick up that seed like it says, like a bird and take it away. So if we don't understand the woman at the well story, 
There's no way that's going to be implanted in our heart to produce a crop. So one of the things I wanted to look at today is a tool that we can use to help us understand the word so that it does get planted into our soil of our heart. So we're going to look at a website. It's called easyenglish.info. And this website is a fantastic resource for anybody to use. It's a great resource if English is your second, third, fourth or fifth language. It's a great resource to use if you really weren't into reading at school. It's a great resource to use in terms of even if you love reading and English is one of your strengths, you still get something out of a different look at the Bible. So this is what you'll be faced with when you go to the um, home website. And what we're going to do today is we're going to go down to the Bible study section and then we're going to scroll down and look at one of the particular Bible, section, Bible study sections called The Life of Jesus. And then within The Life of Jesus, we're going to go down to chapter 3 and we're going to look at the woman at the well story. So I'm going to read it from here, but you can read along with me on the screen. So I'll just grab mine. So we're going to be reading from John chapter 4 and we're not going to read all the way through to verse 42. We'll just stop probably about halfway. So read along with me in, in your mind and ask Jesus to really take this beautiful seed, this beautiful truth and let it really, I mean meditate on this, think about these words, let it really take root in your heart. So Jesus was travelling from Jerusalem to Galilee Let me explain the star before we do anything else because this is a really good tool that you could use when you go to this website. So the star means if we scroll up to the top, you'll see there's a word list with a star next to it. So if you click on the word list and say, Galilee, I wonder where on earth Galilee was. So we can go down to Galilee and it'll tell us. It's an area in Israel where Jesus lived when he was a boy. If you don't know Israel, you can look up Israel and so forth. So when you see the stars appearing, that's what this means, which is a great idea because as soon as you get to a word that you don't know, there's one opportunity for Satan to come along and say, oh, you're not going to get this, you don't get this, and it's gone. So it's a great tool. All right, now let's read. Jesus was travelling from Jerusalem to Galilee. He went through Samaria. Samaria was between Galilee in the north and Judea and Jerusalem in the south. The shortest way to go north from Jerusalem was through Samaria. For hundreds of years, the Jews and the people of Samaria had been enemies. They did not agree about where God's people should worship. All Jews worshipped at Jerusalem. God had told them to build the temple there. The Samaritans had made another place for worship. It was in their land on the top of a mountain. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Most Jews would not even travel through Samaria. They went by a longer route to avoid Samaria. But at this time, Jesus travelled through Samaria. I just want to stop there for a tick. Because in the NIV version, it says he needed to go through Samaria. And this is really important that we understand this idea that um, Warwick was saying, God's will and God's purpose was to send Jesus to come and save us from our sins so we could have this opportunity for eternal life. That's the big picture. But you know, on a very small picture, God's will for Jesus is that he travels through Samaria. And God is saying the same thing to us. The big picture we'll see in a minute is that God says he wants us to worship him in spirit and truth. But you know, on a very small, detailed level every day, he wants us to travel to certain places, just like he wanted Jesus to travel in certain places. He needed Jesus, it says in the Bible, which says that's his will for him. He needs us to go certain places. That's his will and purpose for us. Let's keep going. He stopped at noon in a small town called... Sukkah, Jesus was tired. He sat by the well outside the town. The disciples went to buy food. While Jesus was alone, a woman came to the well for water. It was not the usual time to go for water. She probably came then because she did not want to meet people. Later in the story, we read that she lived a bad life. She had been married to several men. 
Now she lived with a man who was not her husband. Perhaps nobody would talk to her. But Jesus spoke to her. He asked the woman for a drink. It surprises us that she did not refuse him. It surprised her that a Jew would ask this. She told Jesus that she did not expect this request. Then Jesus replied, John 4.10, Jesus answered her, You do not know the gift of God. You do not know who asked you for water. If you did, you could ask me. I would give you living water. This is what Jesus meant. The gift of God is the Holy Spirit. The woman could not have understood that. But Jesus came to change us by his Holy Spirit. If we want to drink, water helps us. If we want God, Jesus can help us. We know this from the prophecy of Jeremiah in chapter 31. We have mentioned this earlier in this course. But the woman did not think about her spiritual life. Then Jesus explained the purpose of the gift of God. John 4:13 and 14, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks water from this well will need more water later. Whoever drinks my water will never need more. My water will be like a stream that gives eternal life. Our real needs are spiritual. Jesus alone can satisfy them. Here is what God promises to do for us. All that we must do is ask him. Again, the woman thought about what she needed in her own life now, but Jesus stopped her. He said to her, go get your husband. This immediately made the woman think about the wrong things that she had done. She said that she did not have a husband. Jesus now said that she had married five men and the man she lived with now was not her husband. The woman immediately knew that Jesus was not an ordinary man. An ordinary man could not know these things about her. So the woman thought that Jesus was a prophet. She tried to change the subject. She did not want to talk about her sin. She talked about the argument between the Jews and the Samaritans. She talked about the right place for worship. Jesus replied, he said that a new time was coming. Then men would not worship at either place. They would worship God in spirit and truth. And again, if I stop there in the NIV, it uses the same word when we looked at Jesus needing to go through Samaria. It's this word, die, which in Greek is spelt D-E-I, but somehow it's pronounced D-I-I, I don't know, it's Greek. But the word is the same. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. We need to worship God in spirit and truth. This is his will. This is his purpose for our life. If we don't understand worshiping God in spirit and truth, that's going to sail away with Satan and he will put something in its place. It is so important that we understand his will for us is to worship him in spirit and truth. And those opportunities come every day when you stumble across a woman in the well in your life. You see, the woman at the well in the Bible sometimes looks like this. This is kind of the picture we have of the woman at the well. And we think, well, we don't go to a well anymore, so I suppose I don't have to talk to any seedy kind of women. But you know, there's lots and lots and lots of opportunities that Jesus creates in your life and he's asking you to go to Samaria. He's asking you to interact with the women in the well in your lives. They just look a little different. So what we want to show you now is a short video. So Nathan and Mark and Renee and Jade and Darren have put together this little skit. It's a little, probably about three-minute video clip. And they want to show you a woman in the well opportunity in what it might look like today. So have a look. Didn't they do well? Aren't they clever people? All of them. And that it's the, it's the behind-the-scenes work that goes into a video like that. I mean, Renee, how sore was your arm holding the microphone in a spot so we couldn't see it? And, I mean, how much time did Nathan spend editing that and cutting that and directing that? I mean, we have some beautiful people with beautiful gifts here. But, you know, they really, really want you to continue this conversation that Jesus started. That's why they do all these crazy things like some ridiculous 38-degree heat afternoon they filmed this in. 
What drives them? It's that same drive that drove someone to change a service to 1.30 so Leanne could attend. I mean, there's a real burning in people's hearts for you to continue the conversation that Jesus is starting with people every day all around us. You see, Jesus started the conversation with you and me when we were having all our adulterous relationships, when each one of us had our five husbands. You see, each one of us was sick in our sin, just like the woman at the well. We're no different. Our husbands might have been a little different. Our husbands might have been the husband of money. We loved money. Our husband might have been drug or alcohol addiction. We loved it. Maybe our addiction was approval from other people. Maybe our husband was performing well so we could look good, so we could really achieve. You know, we've had lots of husbands, but we're only meant to be the bride of Christ. So we all share that background. We are more similar with the woman at the well than we are different. Do we look different on the outside? Sure we do. But sin is sin, hey? And Jesus started the conversation with you and he started the conversation with me. No different. Now the question really does remain, are we prepared to continue the conversation? And the answer to that question really does ride on whether or not we do worship him in spirit and truth. I've lost it. When it comes back, it'll come back. But really, it really is, is going to be a rhetorical question. It's going to be a meaningless question. It's going to be a question that you can easily shove to the side and say, someone else can continue the conversation. Someone else that's smarter. Someone else has got one of those courses that they've studied the Bible. Someone else that's more articulate. Someone that doesn't stutter like me. Someone that doesn't get nervous around people. Surely there's someone else that continue the conversation. And I can swipe even thinking about this question because surely it doesn't really apply to me. But it does so apply to you because each one of us is so special to him. So what will determine whether we say, yes, we'll continue, or no, we won't? It's who we worship, because who we worship will determine whether or not we'll go to Samaria. Who we worship will determine whether or not we will talk to people that are not like us. And who we worship will determine what we're actually going to say or not say. You see, we've got three choices. When it comes to worship, at the end of the day, we're worshipping one of these three. Just because we're not worshipping God doesn't mean we're not worshipping someone else. So we've got three choices here. The choice that is going to bombard us and continue to bombard us in the world isn't it all about me? Isn't it all about keeping me happy? Isn't it all about keeping number one? You know, you can't trust anybody else. And my opinion, you know, I'm actually quite a smart person, you know, and my opinion, I've formed that over a long period of time, and my opinion, I put a lot of weight on my opinion, so I'm actually going to get my significance and my security and reckon that everything's all about me, don't go to anyone else. So if I'm really worshipping me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep others way over here. I'm not actually even going to put any weight on what their opinion is, on what any weight is on their counsel. No, 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 it's all about my opinion. And if I'm comfortable and my reputation, that's exalting me. It's all about me. But I do worship God. If you ask me whether I worship God, I would probably say yes. And do you know how I justify that? I sing really well every Sunday. I worship God. I sing to God. But God says in his word, that's not worship. That's not worshipping in spirit and truth. All that is, 
is living an independent life where you're in the centre and your reputation and your comfort is what really matters. That's what drives you. So if you're independent and worship yourself, there's a very, very, very slim possibility that you may continue the conversation because if I'm going to worship me, I'm not going to go anywhere, especially through Samaria. If I'm a Jew, I'm not going to go and talk to a Samaritan. I'm going to go all the way around like most of the Jews did. They didn't go straight through. I'm not going anywhere where it's going to make me feel uncomfortable. It might even damage my reputation to be seen with Samaritans. So there's no way I'm going to be even near the woman at the well opportunity. Who am I going to talk to? You really expect me to talk to somebody that's not like me? Oh no, I'm worshipping me and exalting me, so I'm not going near anybody that's not like me. And what am I going to say? Even if you get me there. There's only one really good topic and that's about me. So we got this choice to worship me. But we also got the choice to worship you. So let's say it's really not about exalting me. Maybe I'm actually like this lure, this temptation of actually worshipping you because I think you got it all together, so I'll just snuggle myself up really nice and close to you because if I stay close to you, then I'll actually get the benefit. Whatever you say goes. I'll take your opinion. I'll put all my weight and my trust and my dependence on you. And God, I may well say that I worship God because I sing to him. Isn't that what worship's all about? We fall for this trap. This is just... Dependence. That's all this is. Are we going to talk to the woman at the well? Are we going to continue the conversation if it's all about the other? Well, where we go will depend on where the others want to go, where it's cool to go, where I'll get approval if I go there. Who we talk to? Well, I really only want to talk to the people that are going to be nice to me and that others are going to affirm me and make me feel better. And what are we going to say? Whatever anyone else is saying. If they're not talking to her, we're not talking to her either. But we have another beautiful choice. Hebrews 8.10 says, This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now this is truly worshipping God. You see, God says he will be our God. God says, I will be there for you. I will never leave nor forsaken you. I will be your God and I will lead you. And we say, yes, I want to enter into this beautiful covenant relationship with you. You promise to be with me and I promise that you become my Lord and Saviour. So you lead and I follow. And we have this beautiful covenant relationship. This is worshipping in spirit and truth. So he's leading, we're following. And people around us, we don't depend on them. We're not independent from them. We're interdependent. We work alongside people. We work with people. We help them sometimes, they help us sometimes. But this is going on all the time, every day, this covenant relationship. It determines where I go, it determines who I talk to and it determines what I say. You see, true worship of God does continue the conversation. 2 Corinthians 3.5 or 3.6 says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. We don't have to fear that we don't know what to say to this person. We don't have to feel like we're not good enough. He's made us competent. That word competent means you've got the power. You've got the words to say. As a minister of this beautiful new covenant, this beautiful new relationship. So we're going to replay the video one more time. And this time when you look at the video, I want you to ask yourself the question, am I really willing to continue this conversation? Am I really wanting to worship Jesus in spirit and truth? And so she, 
And so she turned around to see who was going to help her with that problem, and she found no one. And I suppose that's uh, the, the question that you've got to ask. If Jesus puts me there, would I say to her, yeah, I'd, I'd walk this journey with you. I'd tell you, I'd talk to you about what's needed to happen. Um, I like uh, what God is doing in our congregation because we are chosen by God to be partners with God. And one of the amazing things that I, that I, I mean, I know that God can do it without us. Hey? He's got capacity to do it without us. But the fact that he involves us is an amazing thing. The fact that he actually would say to us, I want you to do this for me. Like Jesus was saying, I need to go through Samaria because he knew he had an appointment with a Samaritan woman. Jesus would say, I need you to do this for me. Not that he needs anything from you, but he needs you to obey him because he has a plan for you and he has something he wants you to do particularly. So we are chosen by God to be partners with God and and, and with each other and to achieve all that God has planned for us together to do. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it actually says it in the scripture. It says, we then as workers together with him. Everybody say that, workers together with him. Ready? Workers together with him. That's this amazing thing where we, we're, we're down here and God's up here, but he's saying, come on, now get involved together with me now in this situation. This is not, I'm not going to do it without you. My method is going to be men and women. I'm not going to achieve this without you. I'm going to use you. I need you to do something for me. And that he extends himself back into our lives. He doesn't need us in any sense, but he wants us to cooperate with him so that he can do what he wants to do with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, and we are God's fellow workers so that we're connected with each other. So there's a, there's a, there's a sense where Christopher is connected to God and God needs to talk to Christopher. And then he has, somehow he's connected to Joshua and he, he shares with Joshua and brings Joshua in. And we're connected in some way with Joshua. And then God does something in Joshua's life last week. And here he is again this week. And we say, well, how did that actually take place? It took place because we are fellow workers. We all have a part to play. And you are God's field and God's building. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, we get a little bit of an insight on how we actually become the person who talks to the Samaritan woman. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So God is actually telling us you've got to work something out here in your own life. And then he says, For it is God for it is God who works in you to will and to, to do his good pleasure. So God is actually involving himself in us in a, in a dynamic way where he says, okay, you've got to work out your salvation there. You've got to work it out so that you get yourself online and get yourself going, and you do that. You give away your drugs, you give away your, your alcohol, and you, you get your heart and mind collected in Jesus, and you start focusing on it. And he says, now I've got a job for you to do, and I'm going to get inside of you. And he says, and I'm going to work in you to work and to will for my good pleasure. So he, he gets inside of this man and starts to work in him and to move him so that he begins to feel the need to go to Samaria the need to stand up, the need to do something. God's at work within his life, pressing on him saying, don't sit there any longer. You need to now move with me, working together with God. This is the dynamic. I mean, God doesn't need us, but then he wants us to use us, to move us, to do what he wants to do. An amazing thing that God would involve himself in our lives like that in such a way that he's saying, you are going to work with me, partners with me to achieve something amazing. Have you thought about that? Partnership with God. That God would be living inside of you and he'd be, he'd be speaking to you and whispering to you and telling you secrets so that you could stand up and do something together with him and achieve something for him. Amazing, isn't it? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3, how long has God been thinking about this? How long has God been wanting to do this? He says his intent was that now through the church, and that's who we are, the church, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, I suppose the demonic forces that were controlling the Samaritan woman didn't want to know that this conversation was going to take place. And when Jesus began this conversation with the Samaritan woman, as you will begin a conversation with your Samaritan woman, 
The, the devil doesn't want to know that you've got God inside of you leading you to a place, needing to do something for him. And when he sees that, he knows he's lost because he can't stop the work of God when it's in everybody here vested in us and we're listening to him and ready to work for him. How can he put that fire out? It will creep and go everywhere. And it's not just one person standing up there, I'm the man of power for the hour and you'll be impressed with me when you come and see me. Every person here is significant because God indwells them, listening to God, God sending them out and there's a fire that will take place that you'll never put out because you can't stop it anywhere. You can't take it away because you take me away, it won't stop. It's in Ray, it's in Eugene, it's in, it's in Brian, it's everywhere. You can't put it out. It's the belief that God is in you, ready to work through you, and you're hearing him and you need to do things. He says, and according to his eternal purpose, he accomplished this in Christ Jesus. He had this in his mind all along. From the very beginning, he decided that that was going to be the way. He decided that was going to be what was going to happen. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we read this, that we are his workmanship. This is after you've been saved by grace, through faith alone, that not of yourself is his gift of God. And then he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created to be in partnership with God to do the things that God needs us to do. Hey, shake yourself. You've why is CDM here today? And some of you will be thanking God that CDM is here today because if this little motley group wasn't here, you probably wouldn't be here today. We needed to be here. God showed us in Majimba, you need to do this. You need to stay together. You need to keep on doing. We needed to go this route. It hasn't always been easy. Warwick tells you about hard times that we were. We went through some hard times, but we needed to go here so that we could be here for you. For you. For you. For you. For you. We needed to be here. We needed to be on task. We needed to be listening. We needed to do that extension. We needed to go to that place. We needed to spend some time there because God had a plan. And we wanted to work it out in our life. God prepared it before us that we should walk in those things. This is the wonderful covenant that we have with him. We're in this covenant relationship. You know, it says in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, it says, I sought for a man among them. I sought for a man and a woman among them. He used Deborah too, didn't he? I sought for a man and a woman among them who would make up a wall and stand in a gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. He says, but I found no one. You know, my heart is that God would find a partner in me. My heart is that God would find someone who would say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Send me. Like Isaiah he looks and he sees, he heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Here, a divine heart cry, a divine plea. I need someone to go. And Isaiah standing there and says, Here I am. Send me. You come to this place today. For such a time as this, we celebrate our being together. We celebrate what it is to be a group of people connected with God. Mordecai said to Esther, she was elevated to the queen, uh, become a, a queen to save her people. And Mordecai said, who knows that you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You can say nothing and you can do nothing and your family and your life will perish. But God will save from another way. Or you can stand up and you can remember that you've been caught, called to this place for such a time as this. Friends, God has called us here not to worship ourselves, not to worship the other person, but to worship him and to get involved with him. In such a way that we say, 
Lord Jesus, what do I need to do? Give me my command. I'm ready to work for you. And you say, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of living with me and walking with me from here till eternity. Amen? Let's stand up. Father, as we celebrate this day, we recognize that this fellowship is the product of your hand. Lord, we didn't go out doing something because we wanted to do something for us. We didn't go out because we were um, enamored by loving each other more than you. We went out, Father, because you said, Lord Jesus, you said, do this. And Lord, you have been faithful through the years. Lord, we have seen your hand so mightily work in this group, Father. We know that there are men and women here today that have heard of your love and your power because someone stood and talked to them about the love that you have for them. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for the the, the, the story that, is, uh, that has brought us this far. Lord, we just think about the years that are in front of us, Father, until you come again. And we ask, O oh God, that we would stand up and be the people who really worship you in spirit and truth. Not just sing a song on Sunday. But Lord, wake up on Monday and say, Lord Jesus, where do we need to go today? What do you want us to do today? Help us to speak to those who are around us, Lord Jesus, and bring the light of the gospel to bear in this dark world. We ask that you just take your hand and bless each person here, Father. Lord, move them, Father, from where they are to where you want them to be, Father, and help them to grow in strength in the work that you call them to do. We ask your blessing upon them now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.